Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. You know, one of our goals with the podcast is to get you thinking about things in ways maybe that you never had before. Obviously, marriage and relationships. That's why Laura and I are constantly batting around ideas. I tried that in December when I interviewed a Bible scholar, maybe to get you thinking about the Bible in a new way. Today, we're talking to Candace Horback. Candace spent 13 years in the adult film industry, and we have a conversation with her today that is thoughtful and wise and empathetic, and maybe will get you thinking about pornography in particular in a way that you haven't before. I was really excited about the interview. I can't wait to listen back to it. Um, yeah, real quick, I want to remind you to check out our seven principles program, the one that Laura and I are teaching in the first weekend of March. I think right now, the last weekend of January, first weekend of February is the last time that you can get the early bird discount. So go ahead and check that out. You can get that at marriagetherapyradio.com. There's a link right there. In this episode, Laura and I chat for a little while. We bat some ideas around. Candace joins us after a few minutes. I think you'll dig her because this is a very cool conversation. Stick around. Because I'm eating my breakfast. Guess where I had dinner last night? Um, you got this. You got this. No, house. you got this. You get. You can do this. Where did I have dinner last night? Olive Garden. Yes. Is <laughs> it your anniversary? <laughs> it was. Yeah. What did you have? I had the tour of Italy because I wanted to go on a tour of Italy. Wow. That sounds of, like a gut bomb. How little is bit your of, booty today? <laughs> a little bit of chicken parm, a little uh-huh. bit of uh, uh, fettuccine alfredo and some lasagna, mm-hmm. a little like kind of a half portion of each. And then you can kind of tour them because you're going through, going through Italy. I um, love that. Yeah. Did you share? I did not. We took the girls. Um, to, to uh, Last night was the last night the four of us have dinner together until, I don't know. May or something because Abby's going back to school. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, good guess, good love mapping. Thank you. I love it. I don't actually know when your anniversary is, but yeah. if you go out to eat and you're like, you know this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then that's the only restaurant I know you to go to. So for the record, if this makes the podcast, my wife and I, our first date ever was in 1996. We went to the Olive Garden for dinner and we watched The American President. I'm gonna um, keep eating my breakfast while in the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. So every single hands? year. On your first date, do you remember holding hands? Um, we definitely made out afterwards. Um, <laughs> I our don't hands know. never touched, but we definitely put our tongues in each other's mouths. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was a weird one. It was a it was kind of an accidental date, to be honest, because what happened was we lived in different parts of the country or different parts of the East Coast anyway, and she was driving from North Carolina to Connecticut where she lived, mm-hmm. and I was in Pennsylvania, so she stopped. And how did we, you guys know each other? We had met a few months earlier, like at a camp and we had kind of become friends and I was like, yeah, sure. You can stop at my place and have a quick lunch or something. But when she, stopped, my my <laughs> when she stopped, when she stopped, a snowstorm came in. So oh. she couldn't leave. Mm. She couldn't keep going. <laughs> so, so we spent the whole day together, mm-hmm. including going to the Olive Garden 
Although I found out yesterday, it's not the Olive Garden. It's just Olive Garden. Well, it's also not the Instagram or the <laughs> yeah. Facebook, yeah. just so you know. <laughs> anyway, we went to the Olive Garden and uh, and then we went and saw this movie, The American President, which is pretty good. Like it holds up. Anyway, we watch it every single year. We go to the Olive Garden every single year on January 11th. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, after the uh, after the movie, we went back to my house and she was like, she didn't have anywhere to go. She couldn't drive back to Connecticut because of the snow. So Nuts. we just spent the night in my house. Um, How old were you? 23. Mm. These pictures of the two of you when you guys were so young are, she hasn't changed at all. She looks exactly the same, but you, however, have gained another person. (laughs) Like you were a very small human. (laughs) That's very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, Love you. I was a very, very slight Mm -hmm. person. Yes. I was very, very small. Um, Said nobody about me ever. (laughs) My husband, the way he describes me, can you guess just like, uh, it's not going to hurt my feelings because I take jabs at you all the time. How do you think my husband describes my build? Uh, as the most gorgeous person he's ever met in his whole life. And obviously that he couldn't, he doesn't want anything other than you exactly the way you are. That is no, use a word, a descriptor, a characteristic. Oh, um, perfect. <clears throat> <laughs> You're so winning. Uh, he uses sturdy as the word to describe me, okay. which I don't, I'm fine with. I have taken great strides to make my body very sturdy. And so sturdy okay. it shall be. But you described yourself as slight, which is like a word I don't think I've ever heard a man uh, choose to use to describe themselves. Well, here's the thing. My, my 16 year old right now, Mary, mm-hmm. is also slight and... Yeah. Um, she looks exactly like me. Like she, mm-hmm. like I was her, like when, she, when I was in the ninth, 10th yes. grade, I was exactly the same size as she is now in the 10th grade. Woof. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so, I'm so. so glad that Rebecca found you attractive at 23. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Um, we should have put a, a trigger warning that we were going to be talking about our bodies and probably somewhat <laughs> negative terminology, but. I um, never did. What? What? What, what negative Actually, words did I you use? Know what? Yeah, that's true. Because we <laughs> what negative word did you use? <laughs> that's true. I didn't. I am. I take great pride. I actually mm-hmm. have been running. Um, can I just tell you the power of like appreciations or affirmations? Yes. I thrive off of, I thrive off of compliments. And okay. um, I had a girlfriend say something to me two nights ago and I can't stop thinking about it. It felt so good to me. Okay. And it was just so affirming and it's so weird that, that, you know, like just one small comment, it was one sentence that is like, I, I guarantee she listens to the podcast, by the way, I okay. guarantee she doesn't remember this, but I have been on top of the moon, je- over the moon, okay. on top over of the, the moon, moon, on top of the world. Yeah. 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 I've been both of those things ever since she, all she yeah. said to me was you're in such good shape. Oh, that's it. We yeah. went running together and she like, we haven't run for months and months and months together. Yeah. And <clears throat> she just said, or maybe she said something like, no, I think she said you're in such good shape. Meaning, uh, like I, and she goes, and you should be cause you've been working hard. Yeah. And I she was validating a thing stop. that you were actually like, that's exactly it. Yeah. Working on. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's just such an, uh, for me, I think, and I was actually working on this with some clients recently. Um, 
I said, what feels more powerful to you right now? Cause she said, I love compliments. And I said, cool, mm-hmm. let's break this down. Mm-hmm. What feels best to you? And mm-hmm. we've talked about this a little bit. Like sure. uh, I said, when your husband says, Hey, I noticed this thing that you did and I really appreciate you doing it or mm-hmm. says, wow, you know what? Something about your character is really attractive to me and I really adore it. So the difference or I'm proud of you and adoration or I'm proud mm-hmm. of you or you're smart. Like some people would like the story I always tell is about how Rebecca one night gave me a compliment about my physical appearance. And about 20 minutes later, she thanked me very specifically mm-hmm. for something. And I knew right away mm-hmm. that I preferred to be thanked or that the thank you felt like I always say, thank you felt like $20. The compliment felt like $5. But that's not always true yeah. for some people. Some people want to be reminded that they're good looking people or that they, or again, totally. there's other things. I'm proud of you. I'm interested in you. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're a good mom. You're a good dad. Like mm-hmm. they just, they just get different traction for different people. So that is, mm-hmm. um, and you just found out that when somebody validates something that you're actually trying to work on mm-hmm. right, and, and rewards a, an effort that you're making in real time and notices mm-hmm. that effort, that that's like $20 for you, maybe like a hundred, you know, Yeah. versus if she was like, yeah. Oh, you look great today. And be like, eh. nah, 20 bucks, you know, five bucks. It doesn't, whatever. doesn't really matter much yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I, with this particular client, she, she said what I didn't expect, which was, she said, I really love it when he says, Hey, the, the kitchen looks really nice. Like, wow, mm. you did such a great job cleaning up the kitchen. And she said, it never used to be that way, but the fact that I'm a mom and I'm a stay at home mom right now, and there's so much of my daily life that goes unnoticed. I don't have a boss. This is what I was thinking in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have a boss that can congratulate you or affirm you or put a sticker on the chart or, you know, give you a raise. Exactly. So turning to your partner and saying, I just needed you to know that you're the only other person in my life that is going to be able to affirm the unseen duties mm-hmm. that I do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I really love and appreciate when you say those things. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome because he goes, wow, I had no idea that that was the case. And I was like, yeah, me neither. it's really neat that we spelled that out. I mm-hmm. call it investment advice. Anyway, it's like getting really good investment advice. Rebecca, need? for example, it costs her exactly the same to compliment me or thank me. She pulled a bill out mm-hmm. of her pocket and said, here, and, and it turned out that it, that the bill in her pocket was more valuable the second time than the first time. So she now has the investment advice that works for her four to one. So again, if that's a $5 bill versus a $20 mm-hmm. bill, she now has like a four X yeah. return by choosing to thank me relative to choosing to compliment me, yeah. you know, which is mm-hmm. what this guy learned in your, in your office. It's what you, your friend learned or what you yeah. learned, you know? Um, well, and so, and I, yeah. And I was getting even more granular about it too. Yeah. Cause I, you know, the five love languages, Yeah, that's the idea is like, totally. if I'm going to lean in and I'm going to affirm you or I'm going to touch you or whatever it might be, spend time with you. I want to make sure I'm going to get the biggest bang for the buck, but totally. I'm saying get even more granular. Yeah. If you love to be touched, then what is it that you want to be touched? Like 100%. you want your partner to rub your back. Yeah. What I always tell people about love languages is there's five love languages, but there's probably 500, mm-hmm. you know, because it's granular. Yeah. And interestingly, so uh, I guess we're started already. Well, we could, she'll pop on here in a second, but we're interviewing mm-hmm. Candace Horback and she is uh, an adult film veteran star. She's sort of retired, I guess. Um, but, but when I talk about this with people, a lot of times I talk about how um, 
we're really good at this when it comes to sex, like uh, usually, because we'll say things like faster, slower, deeper. Oh, oh yeah, baby, that feels really good. Um, will we? Or we'll I say, ouch. People. I mean, sometimes we will, right? Like we'll say okay. right there, right there. Or or sure. maybe we'll just go, mm, that's really mm-hmm, good, mm-hmm. That's which true. we don't necessarily do emotionally. Physically, we can do that because our bodies give us immediate feedback and our bodies say that feels really good. Okay. But emotionally, we're not as attentive to say that feels really good when you tell me you look like you're in really good shape. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it's always an argument about how do I become a better lover? Because if my lover says, go faster, slower or ouch, or she is, um, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go faster or slower. I'm going to say, ouch. Candace, hi. Hi, Candace. How are you guys? Good. good. We we had already started. We were just chatting with each other and yeah, (laughs) accidentally, but we were, we were saying we're excited, but we're just going to keep chatting until, until you pop on. So thank you for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Let's just welcome you and then we'll hit the ball running. Yeah. Yeah, Hit the ball running. That sounds like a Laura thing. Hit the ball running. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my name is Candace. I'm, I'm more widely known as Eva Lovia. That was my stage name when I was uh, still performing for mainstream adult companies. I was or have been in the industry in some form or another for like 13 or 14 years now, which is makes is that me a, a long dinosaur. Time? Yeah. Okay. It's a very long time. The average um, career, sp- like career span for someone in the industry is like less than 12 months. So Holy I moly. am, yeah, I'm like an OG. Yeah. Um, Especially since you look so young, I'm kind of like, okay, so what's the starting age? Like, is it 18? Well, that's a whole other conversation. Oh. So if you really want to ruffle some feathers, mm-hmm. some women like myself that have been in the industry for a very long time and we're like the older, what older, wiser women, because you do get in so young. So women get in 18. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, women, saying woman at 18 also kind of feels wrong because when I was 18, I don't think I would have classified myself as a woman. I was still very much like figuring out life mm-hmm. and which way was up. So, uh, Right now, age of entry is 18. Mm -hmm. A lot of women think it should be raised to 21 or even 26 because Mm. your brain's not done being developed and just your understanding, uh, like your full understanding of the consequences, um, both like psychologically, emotionally, socially of the, of getting into the, you know, adult entertainment industry or sex work in general, um, like you can't really comprehend that at that age like a lot of the things that are driving you are more materialistic and on the surface and you know consequences Mm. can go to hell because I'm going to be the exception and there's like this bravado that you have um and it can serve you but a lot of the times you make a lot of decisions you wouldn't make Mm -hmm. later down the road so I do think that that age we need to reevaluate that and how we do that I don't know um, that's, you know, we could talk about that for hours. So yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. <clears throat> pretty pumped on that concept. Are, is there like legislation that is coming out or is there anybody in the industry that is sort of the mouthpiece for raising the age of, of entry? So there's a few people, um, myself, I know Tara Patrick, who's one of the like original porn stars has, um, said like 21, mm-hmm. uh, Axel Braun is a director for the company wicked. And he was one of the first directors to make a public statement saying he will not hire anyone under the age of 21. And that's wow. his personal decision. I think that's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. And he got a lot of flack because I think there's a lot of fear around that. Um, like that change. Like people think that if we bump the age up to even 21, then we're moving closer towards 
just like prohibition and just making pornography illegal in general, because Mm. unfortunately it's like the only people that want to elicit legal change right now, it's coming from more of like a more, like a more, sorry, um, like a religious standpoint and like mm-hmm. a moral standpoint versus people that are in it. And they're like, no, we should be able to say that some of the things aren't really ethical and maybe we do need to, you know, elicit some kind of change, but mm-hmm. it's either all or nothing. It seems like the conversation tends to go that way with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that dishonesty is actually like hurting the industry more than helping. So it's like, if we were, were to recognize that at 18, you shouldn't be able to make that big of a life altering decision. I don't know. I feel like maybe people would respect that conversation more and respect us more for the honesty rather than just pretending everything's above board. And there's like mm. no dark underbelly to the industry. Cause it's not, it's not all glamorous and it's also not all exploitive, right? Mm-hmm. Like things yeah. can be gray. Mm-hmm. That's actually, that's actually one of my like kind of leading questions. I asked a whole bunch of people like, what would you ask? And there is this question that always begins with, or includes the word exploitation or exploitive. And as I listened to a whole bunch of your interviews, you had a little bit more of a kind of an empowered journey. It sounds like, like you kind of, kind of, uh, got to kind of control your, not quite quite control, but you seemed like you, your personality sort of said, no, I'm going to tolerate this. I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm going to pursue this. I'm not going to pursue this. It doesn't sound like you were in kind of the more, let's say exploitive piece, maybe of course you have stories, but how do you help shade the gray there between people who want to blanket it and go, it's, it's absolutely harmful and, you know, exclusively because it's Mm -hmm. detrimental to X or Y or Z. It comes down to honesty. So again, it's like, it's sharing your experience. So I think people that have, um, have been in the industry in one form or another do have some kind of responsibility to share their the whole story, right? Not just like post on social media, how some, some female creators are like, I made a million dollars in an hour and that, you know, this is all like, that's so abnormal. So to push that or like, um, like show videos of you rolling up in some crazy expensive Bentley, like that's great, but you're also really misleading like Mm -hmm. the masses. So also share maybe a a tough day that you had on set or a time that you had to stand up for yourself or stand up for someone else and maybe add, um, adding value as to like changes that you can make that would better the entire industry as a whole, Mm -hmm. instead of kind of trying to protect this pristine image of the industry because you're so scared that it's so fragile that it could get censored at any moment. I think if we were to to kind of come together with the other side, we would have a lot more in common and we would say like, no, exploitation is wrong, period. Mm. Having um, young women at 18 get in wrong is questionable. Maybe mm-hmm. we should reevaluate that. Is there someone on set that can help if there is something that um, that happens that's traumatic or that is putting her in a dangerous situation. I mean, like these are all changes that we should all be on board with. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately we're not even having conversations with the other side. And conversely, like the other side doesn't want to talk to someone like me because they think I'm like so deplorable. Mm-hmm. So if you want to create change, like change happens when two parties that disagree come together in the middle. Like you have to build a bridge on the other side. Like that's how it works. You can't do it on the same side. So um, I've talked to Benjamin Nolo, um, who is one of the founders of Exodus Cry, and he did the Trafficking Hub, and they are a very religious company. And some might say that some of the founders are completely anti-porn and they are trying to to make it become illegal. But I've had these long-form conversations because I'm like, this is the way that we're going to bridge the gap, right? It's like me being honest and saying, 
these are the, some changes that I would like to see. These are some benefits of pornography that I would like to, that I, that I have experienced um, within my marriage or within myself. And it can be empowering. Like not everything is an absolute. So just trying to expose people to other ideas and other perspectives and just challenge, like, why do I think the way that I think? Um, and like, when was the first time that maybe that narrative was, was in my mind to know mm-hmm. if it's yours or not? Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Let's talk about your marriage a little bit, because that mm-hmm. obviously is going to be a question for people like, it's the, it's the, it's the main word of our podcast and it's an, it's an area mm-hmm. of interest that people care about, but what's up with you like in Candace versus Eva and how do you make that work in your house? How does your family make that work with you? And, um, mm. yeah, I think that would be an interesting thing just to hear about you a little bit. So I met my husband when I was first starting out into the industry. Like I was only webcam modeling. So it was all just, you know, um, solo implied nothing too explicit or crazy. So he was with me kind of throughout the entire journey and everything was a conversation. So I never went into it with like, I'm just going to make this decision for myself and consequences be what they may. Like everything was a conversation. And also he didn't like um, fall in love with a porn star or like identify you and say, Hey, that girl who's famous, I'm going to woo her or something like you guys were your origin story. Yeah, is I don't think that would ever work. I don't think that ever works long-term because they see you for who you're not, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a character. And I think a lot of people have troubles with that separation. And it's so odd because we don't do that with any other movie stars. Like we don't see Matt Damon and we're like, he's Jason Bourne. So I can start like a street fight with him. Like that's not, <laughs> no one does that. Mm-hmm. But when they see me, they're like, oh, well, she must just be this um, careless whore who can't, who's not in control of her body or sexuality. She's just like reckless. Right. Mm. Um, because they see me in a scene that I would never do in real life. Like I'm not going to have someone come fix my sink and all of a sudden like, start having <laughs> sex. Like, hey man, that. I don't that have any money. Never but <laughs> something I would do. Mm-hmm. Right. But they conflate the two and we don't do that anywhere else. So um, like Eva does not like she does not exist. She's a character and she can she's contained in a very specific environment. Um, I think where some relationships can go awry, especially when you are kind of like so you, you deviate from the norm so much like like we do is when you start to identify with your character mm. and that's so easy to do, whether you're, you know, in porn or whether you're just like one of these new influencers with a ton of followers. It's like, that's what's giving you all of that constant validation and and reinforcement. And it's like a drug. So it's really hard to be like, I just want to be Candace today where, you know, I just maybe know my local person at the bakery and they're going to say hi instead of like, I'm going to be Eva and go into this club and go get a bottle service and Mm -hmm. get all of this uh, attention because I just simply exist or I'm the person that they think that I am. Mm -hmm. So you want to constantly like validate the person that they think that you are instead of the person that you know that you are. Um, So I think separating those two and like just reminding yourself, like the other one is just fake. Like the follows are fake. The likes are fake. Like don't let that go to your head. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, yeah, it's, it's like anything else. I think with our marriage, it just kind of like forced us to really spend a lot of time on communication our values, like our principles, like what it, it, it forces you to find those weak points in your marriage, right? right? Like maybe we aren't that good at communicating. Maybe one of us does have a lot of jealousy that we haven't looked at. Um, so everything's kind of put under a magnifying glass and it's mm-hmm. going to sound crazy, but it's like the same issues that any marriage has 
amplified. Mm. That's I, that's exactly what I think about. Um, and I'm not comparing these two for any specific reason, but sometimes people don't have the opportunity to actually put thing, their relationship under a microscope. It's like their values, their boundaries, um, they all sort of evolve naturally. But then all of a sudden something happens where it's like maybe someone has an affair. And now we have to start talking about the boundaries and the values that we have as a re- in a relationship it's almost a blessing in disguise to have those conversations so early on in your relationship with your partner. Oh, absolutely. Your bio has this word that Laura and I, we, there's a character, there's a character on the podcast. His, he's called our mutual friend, but he loves this word anti-fragile. Tell me about that. Uh-huh. What do you mean when you talk about an anti-fragile relationship? So the idea of being anti-fragile, it's um, I believe Jonathan Haidt's book and it's, you can have something that's obviously fragile, easily broken, mm-hmm. easily um, like brittle. Diminished. <laughs> that's my yeah. name. <laughs> and then you can have something strong, but something that's strong can still break. Something that's anti-fragile actually gets stronger the more that you test it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how I try to look at a lot of my mindset, the way that I view things, my marriage. Um, it's that you come out of a stressful or like trying times stronger on the other end. And if you're with someone, if let's say you get married in your early twenties and it's supposed to be death do us part, you know, you're going to be with that person for, you know, 60, 80 years, whatever it is, you're going to go through a ton of ups and downs. So it's like, are you going to learn and grow from all of those trials and tribulations? Or are you going to like hold on to those and like throw them at your partner when you're in an argument? Like, remember the time that you did that Mm. or the reason that our relationship is, um, is like is not ideal is because of you and like just like all of this blaming um no accountability and instead of like casting judgment onto a situation you can be like no that was like a beautiful opportunity for us to grow and be stronger on the other side because now we know we can go through something like that again so the next time that something like hard or difficult happens like I have confidence in this relationship and the way that we're going to be able to manage it together if I had like um a cowbell. I would ring it right now. Like you, Candace, you just blew my mind. First of all, I didn't know the definition of anti-fragile as being something that when tested actually becomes stronger. And that's actually what Zach and I truly believe conflict does for relationships, that we need conflict and it actually does make you stronger and more intimate in your partnership. Um, because of just what you said is as we go through conflict together, we come out on the other side, we've overcome or maybe solved a problem, but we've also become more intimate knowing that we can get through that hard time together. But I just learned a new definition. Mm -hmm. I've got cowbells going on in my head. (laughs) This is awesome. Uh, Can I ask a question, Zach? Because I have, I have some, the, the way that I would love to kind of steer this is um, for our listeners, Maybe one of you is really into pornography. By the way, I wanted to ask you, Zach, you said the word porn star before, and I'm really cautious of labels, but are there other like labels that we can identify or is, is porn star derogatory? Is it a positive thing? Like, is there a, I mean, star to me is like saying like the top of the top of the top. Are there like medium grade porn? Uh, <laughs> like I don't a, know. Like a porn Just planet like trying like to a... figure out like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
That's so dependent on who you ask. Some people really covet the title porn star. They're like, I worked really hard. I made a business out of my brand. I'm like a top echelon performer, Mm -hmm. you know, like top 1%, whatever. So like, that's my title like only, but I don't own that word. So if if someone made the decision to get into adult work and they want to use it, I mean, there's so many negative consequences socially, like social fallout that comes from that. If you want it to use it, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think traditionally speaking, though, like that term is reserved for like higher performing, like mm-hmm. mainstream stars. Yeah. Um, and then there's like adult entertainment, which people or adult entertainers, which some people use. Some mm-hmm. people say sex work, which for mm-hmm. me, like that sounds um, very abrasive, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so it's whatever you want to call it. I don't, I try to like take a stoic stance when it comes to words, which is like, you can't give offense. You can only take offense. Oh. So it's like extreme ownership over things. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Cause I was thinking in my mind also that porn star was sort of like top 1%. And I'm, I'm, I mean, being 13 years in the industry, I'm assuming that you're like, <laughs> If I haven't earned that label by now, come on now. Okay. Right. Yeah. But I don't, yeah, I don't care either way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. You can't give offense. You can only take offense. That is going to be hashtag um, all day long for me. <laughs> you know, one thing that I'm not doing this year, procrastinating. I made a list of all the things I said I would do that I just haven't gotten around to it. Renewing my passport, getting those darn taxes done and getting my financial future organized. So I have a suggestion. Stop putting it off and finally get life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is the easy all online solution that you've been waiting for. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time. But if you need a little extra support, Fabric's team of licensed insurance agents can answer questions along the way. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash MTR. That's meetfabric.com slash MTR. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash MTR. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. So my question is for listeners where they have had a personal relationship with pornography, but I have many clients where there's no crosstalk between partners as to what their relationship is. Um, And I will ask very plainly with both of them in the room with me together as a couples therapist, what is your relationship with pornography or how do you, what solo sex look like for you? And um, if you are having solo sex or when you're having solo sex would be the way to ask it. Cause I'm pretty sure everybody does is do you view pornography? So I'm kind of wondering like, how would you recommend couples go about having that conversation if they've never discussed it? It's so hard because as we were talking earlier, it's such a charged subject. Right? And a lot of the reason or a lot of the our emotions we haven't really dug into. We don't know what's ours, what's not ours, like why we really feel and things the way that we mm-hmm. do. And that whole concept of jealousy to me is always fascinating because 
we are kind of taught to be in charge of our emotions and not to let our emotions be in charge of us from like Mm -hmm. a very young age. We have to manage our anger. Like you're allowed to be angry, but there's healthy anger, there's unhealthy anger, and then there's unhealthy and healthy ways to express that emotion. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to jealousy, it's kind of one of the only emotions that is just like, we expect no growth, no personal development, no introspection on that emotion. We're just allowed to have it. We're allowed to have it. However it shows up is is valid, is valid. Um, and it's like always the other person's fault. Hmm. And to me, that's so crazy because that's one of the times where like you will, you can like completely ruin a relationship that's really good for you based off of reasons you don't really even know. So I would first tell people to like really sit down with themselves and understand their own jealousy. Like what makes you jealous? Why does it make you jealous? Is it helping you, protecting you, or is it kind of sabotaging you? Um, because when it comes to pornography, and, and this tends to lean more on on women, it's it's off the table. Like absolutely, it's wrong. It's cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find that woman hot and she looks nothing like me, then you must think that I'm ugly, which is so ridiculous because men love beautiful things. Like there is a huge variety for what they appreciate. They can love a curvy woman. They can love a very slim woman. They can love a blonde, a brunette all at the same time. It doesn't make one or the other less attractive to them. Mm. Um, And a lot of times what I've seen is men tend to watch women that don't look like their wife. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a variety thing or maybe they don't want to picture their wife in like maybe some of these more erotic situations, but Mm. it doesn't take away. It's just, it comes down to variety. Like you don't want to eat the same thing every single day. Um, You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's just, you, you don't watch the same movie every day, even Mm -hmm. if it's like a regular romance, you want variety and it, it is a form of entertainment, especially for men. So with women, they tend to gravitate towards the fantasy novels. So Mm -hmm. When it comes to what turns them on, it's more of like a story. Their climax is more of the the happy ending, right? Like the marriage or the mm-hmm. riding off into the sunset where mm-hmm. the man's is more quite literal. Um, but they're both the same thing. They register the same way in our minds. So when a woman gets super jealous, I would first ask, like, are you reading any erotic novels or any of those like hot and steamy vampire books? Because it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And when you get mad at your partner for not, you know, slaying the dragon bringing home the bacon and then giving you a massage and telling you that you're like the only beautiful thing that he's ever seen, right? Like just like making you fall in love. It's kind of the same when he asks you to do a position that you are like, where'd you get that from? Mm -hmm. Like they're both the same thing. So Mm -hmm. I think you are allowed to be able to escape into erotic content. I think that's really important. I think a lot of creativity comes from there. I think it can be very bonding for the couples. So I think it's first, um, trying to bring your partner into whatever it is that turns you on. So if like there's a specific niche that you like, if there's a certain book that you like, it's like bringing them along with you so that they know it's not competition. So I Mm -hmm. think that's like the first step is like alleviating that jealousy and making it clear, like you're not competing with this dragon slaying knight and you are not competing with this milf that's stuck in a dryer right (laughs) you're not competing um like I want to bring you into this because I think it would be really sexy I think it would be new I want to share this with you so I think that's the the first thing is like get those barriers down wow one thing I've noticed out loud with clients a lot is if you think about all of the sex that you've ever 
consumed or, or, or seen, whether it's porn or even like you said, the, the romance novels or the, the, the magazine and the, you know, the checkout line at the grocery store, all of that sex, almost none of it popularly is between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Almost all of it is something that is some other scenario that got created almost as if to say, cause there's no porn, at least not that I'm aware of. That's like, Hey, I love you. I love you too. You're my wife. You're my husband. Um, we just had a really challenging day, put our kids to bed. And, uh, can you believe how hard their homework was? Why don't we take some steam off by jumping in the sack? Like there's, it's almost like the industry or the industries have said married sex is special and sacred and it's separate and it's over here. And then the rest of it is for public consumption. Do you have a, do you have insight into that at all? I've never really thought of that, um, like that exercise exactly, but I would say, so that story that you just told, that seems to be more feminine, like that's a more feminine lens Mm. and women don't tend to consume visual porn. Like it's just, it doesn't get them excited. It doesn't really get them aroused. Of course there are exceptions to that rule, but at scale it's, they just don't consume visual porn. There's actually this um, new app that does really well specifically with women. It's called Dipsy. I was just going to say that. Yeah, It's all audio. Love it. Yeah. It's it, and women just go bananas for it, and there's zero visual. So, what you're describing is like this very visual, real, like a love story, like a life story that turns into erotica. And I think that's beautiful. I would personally like love to watch something like that. Um, but the market's just not there. So, it's not to say that it's not valid or that that's not real or that's not important. It's just there's no market for it. Yeah. So, um, with men, they don't need the story as much. Like, they just need to kind of be aroused. The and again, like, that sense of thrill will do yeah. it. Like, there's nothing thrilling about a hard day and laundry piling up for men. Like, that's not a thrill. <laughs> so, it just it doesn't create the sense of arousal. I think that's necessary for them. But if women started to consume more visual porn, I would almost guarantee you would start to see more storylines like that. What yeah. do you call it, Laura? You call, sometimes you call it chore play. Chore like, play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like there's oh nothing. My God, well, look how I mean, Hottie is doing this, the laundry. Yeah. Yeah. The books that came out a while ago where it's these like really beautiful pictures of like um, a shirtless man that's like real hunky and he's folding laundry and that's it. Or he's like holding a puppy in one hand and mopping and it's just like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I do. OK, so I'm glad you mentioned that. And I will tell folks, women in particular, that. I will be, this is a true story. I'll literally be picking my son up from, from school and I will have like my headphones in from working out and I'll just be like, I'm kind of horny today. And I've got 10 minutes in this, in this line. So I'm just going to listen to just one segment. Like, so Dipsy are like these 10 minute, maybe 15 minute storylines, just as you can filter through on some of these porn sites, you can also filter through on Dipsy. And it's, it will tell you exactly where, so there's a little bit of a buildup and it's not like moaning and groaning, but I mean, there is some of that, but Mm -hmm. it's a storyline and it's quite hot. And I, you know, I just, I'm a huge fan for women. If you're kind of like, ah, you know, it's tough for me to feel aroused or have sexual desire, listen to 10, 15 minutes of it while you're on your own, do some deep breathing, connect with your body. And that's such a great way for you to kind of rev up so that you might be interested in having sex with your partner. Anyway, I'm glad you mentioned Dipsy. (laughs) As a side note, um, Dipsy has been trying to advertise with us and we haven't been figuring yeah. out. So I was like, we maybe we'll try and see if we can figure it out in this app, like in this episode, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. this episode is brought to you by Dipsy verified by Candace. Um, 
I have a question. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So I'm kind of curious about some of the misconceptions that folks may have about um, pornography, either individual use, use within the relationship, but are there just like broad misconceptions about pornography? So a few that I see a lot is that it lowers your testosterone um, or that it's addictive. Mm -hmm. Dr. Nicole Prousey is a sex researcher and she has done the research countless times. She posts all of, all of her findings online, like it's Mm. all public. Um, There is no link to lower T and porn consumption. If anything, the, like the lack of, um, of sexual use, like whether it's like Mm -hmm. solo play or with someone else, the shame that comes along with it, all of these things tend to introduce more of that, like impotence that Mm -hmm. men are having issues with. Um, Sex addiction is another one, like no clinical doctor or therapist will say that that even exists. Like that tends to be more of a religious narrative. Mm. And, um, the more that someone feels like they're addicted to pornography, the more shame that that coincides with that. And then if you'd kind of dig the more, um, conservative their upbringing was. So there's definitely like a nurture element to that. Mm -hmm for people that have that compulsory nature towards it, it's more of like that. It's more of a compulsion problem. So that would show up in other areas, whether it's like overeating, um, procrastination, things like that. So it's not necessarily the porn, like the porn is just the symptom that's kind of showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, another misconception is that again, like it's competing with your current partner or that it's cheating. And obviously you're allowed to define the boundaries within your own relationship. If that's something that you're not comfortable with, with in your romantic relationship, then that you need to find a partner that's going to honor that. Um, I personally don't, I don't think it's cheating. It's a screen. Again, like I think if a woman's reading an erotic novel or watching a romantic film, it's not much different. And, you know, neuro neurochemistry would also suggest the same. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to, again, like reevaluate what level of, of like erotica we're comfortable with within our relationships. Um, and like what we're allowing our partners to do, because like there's so much of, of this sense of control over your partner as well. It's mm. like, well, I don't enjoy it. So therefore you can't enjoy it. And the thing that I think is kind of sad is like the, the sexual appetite between men and women tends to be very different. Like women, mm. we can go like a lot longer without really like needing sex, wanting sex. Mm-hmm. We just have another, a million other things that are on our mind where men, like if it were up to them, a lot of them would have sex, you know, probably at least once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have that discrepancy, it's like, well, who's to say who's right and who's wrong. There is no right and wrong. We just have to kind of accept that biological difference between the two sexes. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you meet in the middle? So you can self pleasure, right. And then yeah. that'll take care of that. And, and then I'm not in a place where I'm forced to have more sex than I really want to, mm-hmm. um, but there are women that are like, you can't masturbate, even if it's not without porn, like they consider masturbation a form of cheating, Mm -hmm. which is crazy because it's like just yourself and just your imagination. So Mm -hmm. you get mad at him for wanting sex, but you don't give him sex. And then he's not allowed to also self pleasure. Like that's kind of a recipe for a disaster in my Mm -hmm. mind. So the easiest way for me to like get my husband off my back is like go in the shower go up to your office like Mm -hmm. do whatever you need to do like I'm I'm busy Mm -hmm. um and then I just think that you have to kind of understand that difference and and allow for some form of release for him I don't think that it's fair that we ask men to behave more like women in Mm -hmm. that regard 
I think the big piece that you're talking about is this idea of, is, is it cheating? And mm-hmm. we talk about betrayal and the difference, the reason when something becomes betrayal, whether it be you are gambling online and your partner doesn't know and they find out whether it's they're sleeping with another person or whether they're masturbating by themselves in the shower is when betrayal is when there's a secret that's hidden from your partner or intentionally left out. And I think part of this conversation with you is really leaning into this is a great opportunity for our listeners to turn toward their partners and have those discussions because there might be a lot of guilt that you might be having while you're masturbating by yourself and you haven't talked to your partner about it. And if you were to just have that conversation, I'm pretty sure you'd have a whole lot more fun masturbating by yourself, having that conversation and getting, you know, the buy-in from your partner of, I understand that you masturbate. That's fine. I don't masturbate and I choose not to masturbate, but I'm not going to control your solo play. So Mm -hmm. just encouraging our listeners to have that conversation with their partner if they've never had it. Well, also I think trust is a huge component too with that. So I think a lot of times when one person is hiding a lot of stuff from the other partner, it's, we expect trust to kind of be a one-way street. It's like, I trust you not to do X, Y, Z, but can that person trust to come back to you when they do default or when they do slip mm -hmm. and say, Hey, I crossed a boundary or I gambled away a thousand dollars of our joint savings, like come to you with that mess up and Mm -hmm expect for you to have grace, right? If the, if you're in a marriage, like you have to have grace. So mm-hmm. have an open space where they can admit to whatever betrayal or shortcoming, and then you heal together. Not like, okay, well now I'm going to lock you out of the, the bank accounts, right. or now you can never touch me and you're sleeping in the guest room, like just totally shutting off and alienating your partner. Mm-hmm. So if they, if you have a habit of doing that, of course you're your other half isn't going to come to you when they do something. Cause they're like, I've seen this movie mm. before. Right. So let's just avoid it. Yeah. So it trust is, is both ways. Well, that's such a good point. It reminds me of being a parent. Um, I'm a, I have a seven year old child and I've always told him that you will not get in as much trouble if you come to me first. Mm. So he has gotten in the habit of just, and it doesn't mean that he's not going to have a consequence for something that he's done. It's that when you hide things and I have to find out about it, that's when I get upset. And that's when the punishment is probably more harsh than what it normally would be. But it's a consequence. And so I've Mm -hmm. always said, and this is how I grew up, come to me and I will handle you with care basically, Mm -hmm. when you do something, because it's a learning opportunity for the two of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Zach and I have been looking for more ways to connect with our listeners on a more personal level. And we've been getting countless requests for couples workshops. So we put not one, not two, but three virtual workshops on the calendar in 2023 so that you can join when it's most convenient for you from anywhere in the world. Register for our spring couples workshop coming up on March 3rd and 4th by visiting our website, www marriagetherapyradio.com. The seven principles workshop for couples is a live two-day virtual marriage workshop based on the internationally acclaimed research of Dr. John Gottman as presented in his New York Times bestselling book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. This educational workshop has been offered across the U.S. and internationally and has helped strengthen relationships of tens of thousands of couples. It's specifically designed to help couples improve their friendship and learn powerful communication and conflict management skills. In 
In this workshop, you will learn how to make conflict work for your relationship. You will deepen intimacy and build trust. You'll identify your solvable versus perpetual issues, strengthen your friendship foundation. You'll learn to collaborate more effectively to solve problems and how to communicate clearly and effectively. Early bird registration for the spring workshop is $395 per couple until February 3rd. So lock your seats in for an unforgettable experience that will shift the trajectory of your relationship. Again, that spring workshop is on March 3rd and 4th. Register at marriagetherapyradio.com. So Candice, I have this question uh, that came in. It's actually, I'm actually, it's actually a good question. Um, Sorry, that was a dumb way to say that. Because the um, other questions, that <laughs> all are, the other questions are bad. Send in or not? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So here's a question: Candace has sex with her husband. Eva has sex on screen. Um, I we've done part of what we've done in this last month is we've interviewed a lot of people around the topic of sex, and one of the things that's come up that's been really interesting to me is how separate uh, it is for some of some people to sort of separate their body from their mind, their soul, their heart. Right. Like, so you a very specific example of like, I clock in, I clock out. I actually turn on a character and I play that character and I clock out with my body. Um, how much of your heart, your mind, your soul is connected to the work that you do? I mean, do you, do you love, do you fall in love mm-hmm. with people that you work with? Do you, do you like how much, I, I think a lot of, a lot of conversations we have in our offices are really integrated around like sex and, 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 and love. Right. And I'm, I guess I'm interested to hear a little bit about how you pull some of that apart. Um, because sex is different for a lot of people. Sometimes it's a job, sometimes it's addiction, sometimes it's exercise, sometimes it's, you know what I mean? So what insight do you have into that? So I've never like fallen in love with like a, a screen mate or like a a coworker as crazy as that title sounds um, given the situation. But I would say like I've fallen in lust with some people for mm. sure. Like there was definitely people. So I always worked off of a shoot list. Like I would only work with specific perform, mm. like male, male performers. Mm-hmm. That way I was in control of who was going to be on set. I never wanted to be someone that I like didn't like to feel safe around or whatever the reason was. So I had like this list of, of male performers. Um, but there was definitely some more than others that I'd be like very excited. I'm like, oh, I get to work with him today because, you know, we are just going to have like great chemistry. Um, and it is, it's like falling in lust for 45 minutes. You're like, oh my gosh, this is good. This is going to be a good day, (laughs) a good work day. (laughs) Um, but again, like most of, most of my, the men on my list were all married, had families. So like, there was never this question of if it was going to become, you know, in my mind, inappropriate or like threaten either one of our marriages, like the way that we viewed sex is, was more similar. Like this is, this can be fun and we can have, like we can share pleasure, but when like it's done, it's done. Like no one's exchanging phone numbers or meeting up after, like there's, there's still boundaries within our individual Mm -hmm. relationships. Um, and I think also, I mean, most people have had both, right? Like you've had junk sex, like junk food sex, and then you've had (laughs) like passionate spiritual sex Mm -hmm. and they're very different. A lot of it is your intention going in. A lot of it is how vulnerable you are going in. Um, So they're very, like, I don't know, they're very different. Like I wouldn't accidentally fall in love on set because like I know why I'm there. So I, I I don't know if that answers the question. Well, maybe I guess I guess if I'm going to bring it all the way around, like how do you make the transition between sex that is, you know, for your job, and then you come home and you're in your house and you 
you've changed, you, you know, sort of changed your costume. You've done your Mr. Rogers moment, your Candace now. And then what is, how do you, how does sex look in your home? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was just imagining you doing the Mr. Rogers moment. Yeah. Do you know what he's talking about, Candace? Yeah, yeah. where he's like changing his slippers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I forget how old I am sometimes. And I'm like, doesn't yeah. everybody know yeah, who Mr. Rogers is? But <laughs> Sure. That's a very wholesome analogy. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I would say, so intimacy is not easy. It's not easy for anyone that I've ever, I've ever met. Like that is something that you have to work on. So again, like when you're with like your, your spouse or, you know, someone that you're in a long-term romantic relationship or someone that you want that deeper connection with, like that's work. It's not like you just lay in bed and all of a sudden, like you are connecting with somebody. It's even for women, it's not that easy. There's mm-hmm. a lot of work and a lot of foreplay throughout the day, whether it's small touches, words of affirmation, acts of yes. service, like all of these things, especially for women are so important into feeling that that spiritual, intimate, magical connection during sex. Um, so all of those things lead up to it. So again, it, the compartmentalization is actually kind of easy for me because when you show up to a set, you've got like maybe 10 to 20 people there with booms and cameras and lighting and hair and makeup. Like it is not set up to be intimate by mm. any nature. It might look like that in post, but while mm-hmm. you're there, I mean, there's, it's either way too hot or way too cold because you can't have the heat or AC on for sound. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not set up for that connection where when I'm in my, my home and I see my husband being an excellent father or after he's worked all day, he's still like fixing something in the house for me or he comes and like just gives me a quick shoulder rub. Like I'm like, wow, this person loves me so much. And all of those little acts just like they set you up for success. So for me, it's like there's it's not even a possibility for those things to be conflated. All right. Mike, mic drop. 100 <laughs> percent. I, I second everything that Candace said. <laughs> um, um, very cool. So what are you doing now and what's next for you? Like how do how do what what's up with you? What's up with Candace at this point? Yeah. What are you so, doing? <laughs> uh, lots of things. So um, I'm revamping the podcast. I took maternity leaves. We just had our second child. Congrats. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I just started recording for that. And then hopefully I'll have episodes out by like the first week of February. Thank you so much for your time. I think our audience is just going to eat this up and uh, love, love, love you. Um, where can they find you if they're interested in knowing more and what you're up to? Um, so you can go to chattingwithcandice.com and then that has all my Candice socials. It has my podcast. And then my the place I'm most active is on Twitter. And then that's Fall in Lovia is the, is the handle. You actually have to type it in because I'm shadow banned. So um mm-hmm. You can find it there if you you type it into the domain. But yeah, that, that, those are all the places I exist on the internet. Nice. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on to Marriage Therapy Radio. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. That was amazing. Candace is amazing. Um, she is just a, a brilliant entrepreneur. And I think that this conversation went all over the place and hopefully piqued a couple of um, your interests. So a couple of things. Uh, I mentioned an app. It's called Dipsy. Um, so check that out. That can be downloaded. And that's a way to listen to sort of like audio scenes. It's specifically geared toward women. Uh, which I know we have a lot of listeners who are women. And then also check out Candice. It's chatting with Candice, C-A-N-D-I-C-E.com. And you can check out her website and everything that she is up to. Thanks for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.